idea that you need to make a conscious decision to look at unconscious bias. It's not going to happen unless you make that decision. Um, or if it does happen without you making that decision, it's probably going to not be a very good thing because that means somebody else has seen it. Um, but make that conscious decision. Dig into your why. Figure mm -hmm. out the choices that you make and why you make them and um, what you need to live and work and play in a way that allows for acceptance and diversity and inclusion and all of the things that we would love to see in community. Um, they have to start with each individual working towards building what we want. And so dig into where it happens. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the In the Lead show. My name is Jennifer Sang, and this is episode number 14. In today's episode, I talk to Drea, who is somebody that I met over the last year on Twitter, and she always has such a great perspective on so many different topics around leadership. So I'm delighted that she's able to join us today. But we want to really uncover unconscious bias in leadership in the conversation today. Now, unconscious bias, you can read about. There's a lot of books that have been you know, published. People have talked a lot about what it means. But what does it really mean to the everyday leader? And how can everyday leaders start to build practices and intentions around being more conscious around your unconscious biases? So in the conversation today with Drea, she give you a little bit more background about who she is. She, uh, for over 25 years, Drea has consulted and advised businesses in Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom on startup culture and growth planning. She's been a partner in an IT and digital branding, branding company for 22 years with multiple nominations and awards for women in business and technology. She has over 30 years of board leadership in the nonprofit sector. Seeing a gap in current needs, Drea was one of the principal developers of a transition program for autistic youth to train into IT sec sector employment. Her passion for inclusion stems from personal experience and, and has included advocacy in education, employment, employment, and community. Today's conversation was definitely eye-opening for me. And I love um, some of the tips that Drea has for how we can start uncovering our own unconscious biases and start to examine how it might be impacting our families, communities, and the workplace, and most importantly, culture within the workplace, and how each of us can have an impact by just staying a little curious, noticing more, embracing um, our biases and understanding them more deeply so that we can be more inclusive, so that we can be a, a place where we cultivate that belonging. So really hope you enjoy listening to the show and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the In The Lead show. My name is Jennifer Sang and I'm here today with Drea 
to talk about unconscious bias. So welcome to the show, Andrea. Andrea, (laughs) Andrea, Andrea, you guys are okay. Thank you very much for having me here today. I am really looking forward to digging into this conversation. As am I. Uh, So Dre and I met um, on Twitter over the last year. We participate in a number of different chats and she is active in our leaders chat community as well. Um, I always love your insights and your thoughts always seem to be really in well alignment with what I'm thinking. So of course I was like, I should bring her on the show one day. So I'm glad we're able to to work this out. And coincidentally, it's uh, lining up with our leaders chat topic for this week, which is about unconscious bias in leadership. So we're going to run through some of the questions that we'll be discussing on the chat on Wednesday at five o'clock Pacific. But before we do any of that, Drea, give the listeners some context. Who are you and what, what should we know about you? Um, well, I am uh, currently in a, a, an opportunity, uh, contract opportunity, where I get to work with people who have developmental disabilities, which is a really, really exciting position to be in, uh, especially when you talk about bias, because we, we run into a lot of that within the community. Um, I'm also a business owner. I have had a uh, tech business for uh, well over 20 years, and I am a community leader. Um, I spend a lot of time with nonprofit organizations, working on their board of directors, and uh, volunteering my time with a lot of them. So those are some of the things that I do to keep myself occupied. You sound very busy, and that's awesome. Great work that you're doing in the community. And yeah, you mentioned there's a lot of unconscious bias in that community. So maybe that will be a good segue into our first question, which is, what does unconscious bias mean? Um, Well, by definition, an unconscious bias is a learned attitude, but I tend to think of it along the lines of uh, cultural, community, familial influences that create our perceptions and uh, preconceptions and assumptive reasonings. So those are the things that we carry forward and face out in our community that we have had uh, influence us in how we make our, our choices, our vision to what's out there. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you see those unconscious biases coming up in different communities? Um, In different communities, people believe, people believe or see that say someone with a disability is not going to be capable based on a perception um, even more difficult in the community where there are invisible disabilities, we look at, frequently at people and make an assumptive, assumptive stance without knowing exactly who this person is and what they do. Uh, one of my biggest examples is uh, people who don't make eye contact. And mm. an unconscious bias will automatically, okay, so this person isn't trustworthy or this person is uh, hiding something from me. When in the community that I work in, some people just can't make eye contact and it is a natural part of who they are. And so our unconscious bias sees them one way when they're another. And it is uh, one of the hardest things to break through and and understand about how you perceive things. Yeah, I could definitely see why in 
you know, unconscious or even maybe conscious biases might come up a lot in the disabled community. Cause like you mentioned, right. Certain, um, certain groups of people, like you said, might not make eye contact or might be uncomfortable, have anxiety, maybe can't stay present. Yeah. And people might think like, oh, well, what's wrong with them? Or, oh, they yeah. must not like me or, oh, they must not, you know, be able to have a conversation because they, they can't, you know, right. engage with me. Um, so that, yeah, I could see that happening a lot and definitely working in the tech um, industry for many years. I've definitely come across all kinds of different people and it's great. Um, and I can, I've definitely seen a lot of unconscious bias, um, and even some conscious bias, I would say, um, making those assumptions, um, about tech community. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's interesting to see in the tech community as well, though, that, that, that there tends to be, uh, depending on, on, um, where you go a, a little bit more acceptance as well so some mm-hmm. of those unconscious biases are a little overridden based on ability which is yeah. something that uh, um, we would like to see a lot more of happening uh, especially yeah. in the employment yeah yeah that is true I mean a lot of you know software engineers um, you know I mean yeah if you have you know, skills in a certain area, yeah, that might be overlooked, right? Some of maybe the social things that people look for that indicate like, oh, you know, you have these abilities, but if you have a skill in another area that kind of supersedes that, people tend to go, okay, well, that's, you know, that's just Bob, (laughs) you know, um, but yeah, I mean, I could see how, you know, even unconscious bias in everything, you know, everywhere. I mean, not even just in tech or in the workplace, but even I I observe it a lot, actually. Like I I love the supermarket. Mm -hmm. Such a fascinating place to me because there's so much going on. People are tend to be, a lot of people tend to be stressed, especially if there's, you know, long lines. And it's just always fascinating to me to watch people and kind of overhear and listen to conversations. And you'd even be surprised how much bias comes out in even those situations where, you know, either judgments or, um, I mean, ha- I mean, even I, racism, I've heard all kinds of stuff. Um, but I, I find it so fascinating. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm very much a people watcher as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sort of tune into the things that are going on around me and, and, yeah. and we are all human and we all have a bias and yeah, sometimes we're not aware of it until somebody else points it out to us. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting to see how people respond to different situations and how they react to things and, and what thoughts come to their mind first when something happens. Yeah, it is very fascinating. And maybe that we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but the next question is, what is the difference between conscious and unconscious bias? And do you have some examples of what that looks like? like a conscious bias is when you are intentional in your attitude and your stereotyping it's when you are uh, when you recognize that you are against a particular person or a group of people and it is something that's easy to see and I think um, because we've touched on tech already a conscious bias would be women are incompetent in tech and we don't hire them Mm. that is a conscious bias we this is our decision. An unconscious bias, on the other hand, would be when a technical job comes up, we give it to a male counterpart instead of the female in the department because unconsciously we are thinking the same thing and not 
following through because we do have a hire already. So mm -hmm. yes, there's a woman in the department, but we're going to give that tech job to the male because that is where our unconscious bias goes. Yeah. I look at it too, like, um, it's almost like that urge or that tendency that you have that you may not even be aware of, but you might decide, hey, this person, let's just say it's a male, has more skills and uh, competencies to be able to do this job. But how, how are you sure that if you're comparing maybe that male to a female, and let's say their skills and competencies and background and everything are aligned, what makes you kind of lean one way or the other? Um, it can be very subtle. Um, it's what I've noticed in, yeah, in my own life is like, and I'm always telling people like, pay attention, get nuanced, like get really, because it is that a lot of times those little things, it's not, yeah. I mean, people aren't, I mean, most people I should say, aren't, especially in the workplace, aren't going around saying, you know, I hate this one group of people, right? There isn't, you know, hopefully not too much overt like racism or some of the more common things, stereotyping that we think of, but what makes you have that tendency to want to, you know, hire this one type of person? Maybe they look like you, maybe they have a similar background to you. So you feel some kind of connection to them. It can right. be a very subtle thing. Um, and we were talking before we started recording the show about how I've, interacted with people in the workplace before where they say, I don't have unconscious bias and thinking to myself, okay, well, we all know that's not true, right? We all have some level of, you know, bias, but yeah. Is, are we just kind of naturally gravitating towards one type of person or one group of people just because maybe it makes us feel safe. Maybe it makes us feel more comfortable, right? We see that a lot also in the LGBTQ community. I know there's been a lot, um, happening with that, where there's been a lot more awareness around, you know, and I've been in tech for over 20 years and I've had people say to me, yeah, I, I don't want to hire that person because of their sexual orientation. Like people have actually said that out loud. And I was like, wow, like not anytime recently, but that's a thing. So it's like, do maybe you have a pre, you know, maybe have judgments towards those people. And if you had someone come in for an interview, are you you know, kind of dismissing are you, them. Are you shutting down? Are you shutting down an opportunity? Mm -hmm. Because, the, uh, because of, and that, that would be almost conscious in a way that if you've made that kind of decision. And um, yeah. uh, from, from my uh, family perspective, I have uh, non-binary children. So I run into assumptive reasoning and uh, a natural bias if you're talking non-binary i mean walking into a store or something as simple as hello ladies mm -hmm. it's 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 yeah and and yeah. because we see and we perceive something and make an assumption on it it becomes it becomes almost that bias mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's yeah i mean that's definitely a great example you know i've come across a number of people in the non-binary community, transgender community, um, the stories that they tell, it's, it's really, it's heartbreaking. And I think there is some generational, you know, effects going on there as well. Um, and also what I like to tell people with unconscious bias is 
it's not about being perfect. It's not about like going, oh, wow, I have these biases. I'm terrible. I'm horrible. It's more of just noticing like, what are my tendencies? What, how am I impacting others? How am I showing up? And just kind of really paying attention to that. And then if, you know, once you start to notice those things, start, you know, trying to do better. And even if you mess up, you can always come back and say, you know what, I'm really sorry. I didn't, you know, that came across wrong or, you know, I did this wrong. I, but own it and don't be afraid of it, I guess is what I'm saying. Cause I've, I've noticed that a lot of people tend to be either defensive or afraid of really embracing that we have biases and sometimes we mess up and that's how you learn and grow. And, but that acknowledging and that kind of just accepting, um, seems like a huge piece to me. And, and um, okay, so that leads me to maybe a little bit of a story because um, when I am driving um, quite often with one of my non-binary children and somebody does something and my automatic reaction is, of course, or he or she, or and I get mm. that nudge, how do you know? Mm. And you're right, I don't know. And I am, my bias is showing mm-hmm. in that case. And I need yeah. to check it. And it's okay yeah. to to make those errors and to just correct it and move on and admit that, you know what, we are very human in how we mm-hmm. perceive things and those biases yeah. influence us and they're a hard shift. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah, just check it and go. Yeah. And the gender bias is a big one. Um, I think I posted this on Twitter recently, but it's something that I've actually felt for a really long time. And I'm not like Southern and I'm not like, I wasn't raised in that era, but the whole sir, ma'am thing to me has always been kind of a, it's always rubbed me the wrong way. Cause I've had friends, I've just witnessed it out in public where people will identify people um, incorrectly. And I just thought, wow, like, I don't even think people I realize it. And I think it's just something that maybe people do automatically because, Hey, you were taught that as a kid, you would dress everybody. But I've always thought like, wow, like we don't, we don't have to do that. Like we could just say, Hey, how are you doing? Like, you don't have to refer to somebody as like, you're almost imposing your bias on somebody else by calling them sir, ma'am, he, she, um, it's, I don't know. I've never really understood it personally. Um, but it's a great thing to dig into because it's one of the ones where it's easier to see where you're yeah. So, you know, as an example, that is one that, that works really, really well. How do we shift that? How do we make mm-hmm. that shift? Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, that it's like 100%. Yeah. Yes, I am making an assumption that is my bias. Let's change it. Yeah. I mean, so that's a perfect example, right? With your, your children giving you those nudges saying even the small things, right? Like yeah. how we are labeling people. Um, when that was a great question your kids asked, how do you know? Um, yeah. and that would, might be a good question to even ask yourself if you're working on just getting more curious with yourself as if you see yourself going in a certain direction or having that tendency to say something to say, how do you know that's true? Um, what tells you that that's true? Um, What's feeding this information? Why? Why yeah. is always a big one for me. Why am I making this decision? Mm-hmm. Why have I perceived this this way? Do I need yeah. to look at that perception and maybe mm-hmm. adjust it? 
And mm-hmm. it's okay to not adjust it if you realize that there's a bias there and you're comfortable with it. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who will stay in their bias because that's where their comfort is. But to grow, you really have to step out of that and get uncomfortable with how you feel about things. Yes. Amen. Yeah. You don't grow in the comfort zone for sure. You've got to step out and challenge yourself. And that might be a great way, you know, find these little things to challenge yourself every day to say, challenge your assumptions and your biases that might be coming up. Um, it might be uncomfortable, but yeah, I mean, that's the only way, right. That we're going to have more inclusive, um, more supportive, more, um, more of the sense of belonging, because what it always says to me is when someone dismisses like my feelings or who I am, is it feels like, okay, I don't matter. Like, I don't matter to you. You don't care that maybe you just called me, sir. Right. Maybe a woman was called, sir, and you don't even acknowledge it. And it's like, wow, like that was a really big assumption that you made there. I mean, for some people I've been told it's traumatizing to them to, it's not just a benign, like innocent, oh, haha, you just called me, sir. Like I've had friends who've said, no, like it's horrifying to be um, labeled like that. So I think we could all kind of challenge ourselves a little bit more to, to notice those things. Um, now that's Stop great. For a minute. <laughs> Stop for a minute and check. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. Your world mm. is not going to fall apart when you slow it down just a touch so that you can make sure that you are treating people with the same respect that you want. Yeah, no, that's so true. And the next question is, how can unconscious bias affect the impact a leader in an organization wants, wants to have? I mean, whether positive or negative, but from a leadership standpoint, how do you see that? Um, so when you have an unconscious bias, um, there will be a tendency that you probably aren't even aware of to uh, reject people, to make assumptions regarding competencies, to not not be able to actually determine skill sets because you have already closed the door on an opportunity based on your bias. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you have an unconscious bias, you are not providing equity within your environment because you are automatically rating people, Mm. subjects, things. And so in order to get past that, you have to examine the biases that you have and how they influence the decisions that you make and the choices that you do. Yeah. Yeah. Because as a leader, right, someone in a leadership position, I said, I should say that because Tom Reed always says, don't call them leaders. They're people in leadership positions. So people in leadership positions, right, have a lot more impact and influence on people on a daily basis because they are the ones dealing with helping drive the culture, helping drive pay equity, helping drive um, who they're promoting within organizations or who they're giving opportunities to. A lot of times it's just opportunities to get more visibility, to get more, um, more just visibility within the organization that can help and connect people so that they can help unlock doors for them to continue to grow their career. And I would challenge anyone in a leadership position to say, how might I be, how might my unconscious biases be, you know, uh, like skewing the perception that I have of certain individuals in the organization? Because again, working in a really large tech company, I've noticed over the years that 
it's always a, a certain people who tend to get all of the, you know, projects, visibility, promotions, and, and it's almost like you can pinpoint it. You're like, okay, there's a certain type of person that people, you know, want to promote and give those chances to. And I just think like, wow, hmm, there's gotta be something there. And I guess that would be the next point that I would have in that is that what is not obvious to you in your mm. unconscious bias is going to be very obvious to other people as patterns emerge. And it is going to be 100% detrimental to how you are looked at as a leader. Mm-hmm. Because people are going to see where there are uh, biases and they are going to make their choices based on your bias. And whether that is to leave or to elevate problems to another level with someone else, these are all yeah. things that are going to be affected by you not digging into why you make some of the choices that you do. Yeah. And some of the behaviors I've observed, as you were saying, this brought up a thought for me was that also our unconscious biases, especially for people in leadership positions can influence other people's like biases and it can end up being really toxic. Like if you have a couple of people who have like a lot of really strong biases, bring those people together and it can create a really toxic environment. And then that starts eroding so many things, trust, safety, belonging, everything. Um, and there's huge organizational impact when Mm -hmm. you are, um, looking at an unconscious bias that's feeding an environment and one that's being fed. So, uh, absolutely. That would be that you could create a really toxic environment. Yeah. Yeah. And the next question I have here is, so I guess this kind of segues nicely into what does unconscious biases, how do they impact organizations, teams, and most importantly for me is psychological safety. Cause I feel like that's kind of at the foundation, um, of how the organization operates. Um, so how do you see unconscious biases impacting well, and, a broader and organization? Sort of touched on that. Um, they they mm-hmm. can lead to things like discrimination. They will lead to inequity. They will, um, absolutely create confirmation biases within groups of people. It can create that click atmosphere that nobody really wants to have in their business where certain groups of people are, are the group of people and everyone else is a fringe to what's going on. Um, the, the, the way that we feed each other's unconscious bias would be very important in, in how we look at that as well. But just understanding from a leader, leadership perspective, your thought process and what you are doing is going to create the environment, the safety, the equity, the ability for that organization to thrive, or Mm -hmm. it's going to create one that's not going to be a great place to work. You're going to have turnover. You're going to create environments where people make decisions that they're not buying into what you're selling, and they're going to make their decisions based on that. Well, most importantly, with all of this that you're talking about is people aren't able to bring their whole selves to work. And I mean, I know that in organizations, we are constantly talking about that because we want people to bring every, everything, right? Their strengths, their, their thoughts, their ideas, their, and if there's a lot of unconscious bias, that's fueling kind of a lack of safety in the organization, people aren't going to feel safe to step forward. People aren't going to be safe, feel safe to 
give an opinion because they're afraid. Yeah. Like you said, these clicks that might emerge, um, they might feel like, oh, well, I'm not a part of that. So, you know, they don't really care about what I have to say. Imagine what you might be missing, what information, innovation, conversations, everything that might be missing because people just are feeling like, okay, they don't care what I have to say. I'm not a part of the clique. I'm not, they have biases towards me. They don't, I know they don't like the type of person that I am or whatever. Imagine what just you're missing out on. Like to me, it seems like a no brainer. Like, wow, how could we not look at unconscious bias as being kind of underpinning all of this? Absolutely. So I look at it like, are you, are you making a conscious decision to let your unconscious bias chase the next mm-hmm. best idea out the door? That's because- a tweetable quote right there. <laughs> Because that is really what it, it boils down to for me. You, you make a conscious decision not to examine where your thoughts come from and why you make mm-hmm. the decisions that you do and what the unconscious bias that you have is. So if you are making a conscious decision not to do these things, then the repercussions are exactly what you will get. People leaving, yeah. ideas not being shared, giving mm-hmm. the best to your competition in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, by mm-hmm. by not making choices to dig into why you uh, why you're looking at the things that you do. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really powerful. I love be conscious about your unconscious biases, and what I hear you saying is like developing a practice of curiosity. And the best leaders that I've ever worked with or for were the ones who could say, "Look, I don't have all the answers, and I know that." I make mistakes and I want you to be there to let me know when I make those mistakes. I want you to point those things out to me and having that really open kind of conversation and giving people that doorway to say, look, I'm not perfect because we're not, nobody is, but creating that safety and trust to say, Hey, like, let me know, like, I care. I want, you know, when I know that I have these biases and I just want, I want you to call me out on it and I want you to bring it up. To me, that's what I feel like is missing a lot of times in leadership is that vulnerability, that openness and that acknowledgement that, hey, I have these biases and I want to do better, right? Um, I think it's Jeffrey Shapiro online who says, you know, when you know better, do better, like know better and do better. So start trying to know more, start getting more curious with yourself, inviting people to give you feedback, inviting people to notice these things that you're doing or these tendencies that you have and just stay really open to it. Yeah, I would agree hundred percent. Um, vulnerability is the one thing that I think we don't see enough of. People don't dig into the fact that they're allowed to be, um, they're allowed to be open and make mistakes. And I, I never, I don't like mistake or failure. They're allowed to have learned lessons. Yes. And those lessons are important and they're far more important when they are shared than when they yep. sit within yourself and you you try and figure things out. The moment that you start sharing them, you reach a common a common place with people who often share the same lessons and want to um, connect over them. And that kind of connection is so empowering. It is so yeah. Uh, fantastic for leaders to be able to give that much and then elevate their um, their staff or the people mm-hmm. that they're working with 
to another level in sharing that. Yeah. What I hear you saying in that is as we become more conscious of our unconscious biases, we might influence and empower others to also be conscious of their own unconscious biases as well. Um, That's what I was hearing. And also, I think with the vulnerability piece, I feel like, I think it's getting better. I'm definitely noticing a shift where we're having more conversations, people are being more vulnerable, but I feel like there's an element of safety in that. Like we almost feel like we need to protect our biases, right? Like this is how I've always been. This is how I've always seen things. Maybe it's fear of, you know, either being, you know, having something happen to them or challenging their own beliefs, which might cause a lot of internal kind of discomfort. But I feel like the more that we can be vulnerable, it's actually your superpower. It's, it's not a weakness. It's your greatest strength. It's what, like you said, inspires people to not only, you know, inspires them to kind of take a look at themselves and what, what's going on for them and how their biases might be getting in the way, but then they might be able to then influence and impact, empower someone else to kind of, so it feels like this butterfly or ripple effect that we can, (laughs) yeah, but I I feel like we get stuck where it's either that fear or vulnerability is tough, but if you can harness it, it's such a powerful strength um, to be able to sit in in vulnerability. Absolutely. I think that that's, I think that to be an effective leader, you need to be able to get vulnerable. That 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 is, yes, it's your superpower. It's the way that you can create those connections. And the greatest job a leader has is to lift others into a similar role. And in order to do that, they're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and teach other people to be good at being uncomfortable. Because mm-hmm. then you start to see effective leadership. Then you see people grow. Then you see the, the things that you want to see in a workplace, in a community, in the environment that you're part of. Yeah, so true. And, and maybe this leads into the next question, which is what do you think is the hardest part of noticing and understanding your oh. own unconscious biases? <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't make a habit of evaluating ourselves on a regular basis. People mm-hmm. often evaluate us. And when people evaluate us, we have the tendency to become defensive or mm-hmm. to really not want to dig into why people are seeing things that way. And so the hardest part is actually just looking within and seeing where those patterns are, where where you make your decisions from, your why. Why do I do this again? It's something that mm-hmm. is always I always roll back to the why why did I choose to call that person driving male as opposed to female because Mm -hmm. I wasn't happy with their driving was that my bias of course it was right I mean that's a stereotype or um and the little things that you dig into like that and the second that you start asking why you have to really examine yourself and when you start Mm -hmm. examining yourself you will find all of those little biases, those assumptions, those things that we have learned since we were small because of the environments and the communities and and where we have been raised and have been influenced. 
yeah. if you start digging in and it changes things. It it makes you change things because it's really easy when you see them, when you've dug in and you can see them to yeah. say this needs to change. Yeah. And I like that you br- brought up from childhood because the way I see it is, is that, you know, bias to some degree actually is what keeps us safe. And as children growing up in an environment, depending on the environment that you grew up in, you develop those biases for the sole purpose to keep yourself safe To it, It's a very like, um, very basic human experience of I'm, for instance, if you grew up in like an alcoholic family or really toxic, a lot of anger and a lot of you might start developing biases around that. So you can see and sense maybe and understand what's happening in your environment. But as you get older, right, we carry those biases with us and we continue to see the world through that same lens. Even if you're, you're moved out of the house, maybe you don't even talk to your family anymore, but that impact still comes with you. And you still, it's almost like a lens. Like I always see it like a lens of how we see kind of our environment around us. And again, as a child, that might've been what we needed to keep ourselves safe. And it might've been a way for us to just make sense of the world. And that might've been fine at that time, but how can we continue to challenge ourselves to understand that we still have those same biases and we can challenge ourselves to do better and that there's different lenses that you can develop to see the world differently. That's more inclusive that's more um, collaborative, you know, all the things that we want to see in our families, our friends, our workplaces, everywhere. Like, how can we just um, take a pause and start looking at that and challenging ourselves to, like you said, challenge those assumptions that we have. And um, yeah, I I thought that was really, I like the childhood piece. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Our our unconscious bias will affect every decision, every choice, everything that we do. And if we don't examine it, we will continue to make the same choices and decisions. And they're not always the right ones, but they are influenced by how our bias affects us. So that's that's another really good reason to dig into your why. Why do you make these choices? Why have you made these decisions? Yeah. I like that. Just taking a pause, getting curious with yourself, challenging yourself, taking a step back. Maybe if you're like in a really triggering situation, I know it can be really tough because it, our tendency is to want to really kind of lean in and, you know, but how can you kind of maybe take a, a timeout and just pause and take a step back and just really get curious with yourself. I feel like that practice alone is a really powerful way to not only, you know, help you uncover unconscious biases, but just a great way to kind of manage and regulate yourself, like even in arguments or like, can we do more pausing and kind of taking that step back and just taking breaths and just approaching, I I just feel like it's, it's just having a different experience with life. Like how can we have a different experience with the life that's happening around us and with us and not just fall into the patterns, right? Because it's very easy just to go with the flow. This is how I've always done it. This feels comfortable. Um, but when we start pausing and noticing and kind of taking those steps back, that's in a way challenging us to kind of break that pattern, break that, that repetitive nature. Um, not easy, but it's not easy. Worth it. 
always yeah. worth it to look at things through a different lens and to find that that power of knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, so one of the last questions I have on um, the list for leadership this week is a quote actually from Ruth Bader Ginsburg that says, I think unconscious bias is one of the hardest things to get at. I thought that was an interesting quote. And I was just curious your thoughts, like what do you think she's referring to there and what makes it so difficult to get at? Um, And I'm going to roll right back into self-examination is not something that we do comfortably. It is not something that we like to look at ourselves because we don't like to be flawed um, or things that we do that we know probably aren't right or that, that discomfort again in stepping out of I'm okay where I am I'm comfortable I've made my decisions life is good everything is working into the you know it could be better if I got a little uncomfortable with what I am doing and really took a look at some of the things that I want to achieve and what is holding me back from getting there and um what I'm missing when I don't have access to diverse groups of people and um, all uh, diverse environments and things that we will automatically um, exclude from our uh, comfort zone because of our unconscious bias. So I, I get that quote. It's not an easy place to be at all. But wow, once you get there, that world is so incredible. And and new I new things, new people, new ideas, um, and 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 the whole I mean the whole range and idea of diversity is that there is so much that can feed how you move, what decisions, things that you do as a business, as a leader in life and community, and you can't get open to that unless you're examining the things that restrict it from happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I keep going back to when you were talking about it it is very difficult. That's why for me, it feels almost like an intention. And for me, intention is intentional. Like I try to make it a point to catch myself, you know, for different things, but just notice like, oh, Jen, I noticed you were doing this. Like, let's take a minute to kind of take a look at that, right? Or do reflecting at the end of the day. I like to reflect a lot and just kind of go through the day and figure out like, you know, where might of those unconscious biases that I have creep up? What, what was I doing? What was I noticing? Like, was I present? Was I not? Was I, I just like to really reflect. So for me, it's just almost become an intention where it's like every single day I make it a point to say, okay, this is what I intend to do today. I'm going to pay attention to these things. I'm going to notice what comes up. I'm going to notice what's going to come up for me. What am I how am I reacting to that? Am I kind of wanting to pull back? Am I catching myself more quickly? Um, so just really being intentional about it, I think is really key. And for me, and I actually talk about this in the next episode with my therapist, but we talked a lot about um, the safety mechanisms that we have internally. And again, I think it's all there for a reason, like to keep ourselves safe, to make sure that we are protecting ourselves. I think there's a basic human need for that. Um, But once we start to really challenge that, it's almost becoming, it it feels to me like a process of developing a new relationship with yourself and in a friendly way. So it almost feels like I'm befriending myself. So it's not 
Jen, how come you did that? You know, why, why are you doing like, cause I have a tendency to do that to myself. I get really critical of myself. So it's, it feels more friendly where it's just like, let's just notice today and let's just see what's happening. But it feels like, it almost feels like I'm trying to develop a new relationship with myself. And in that I explore new things. I challenge myself, but again, it's, for me, it's more in this like context of this friendlier, um, not non-judgmental um, way of just kind of uncovering and understanding myself more is really how I see it. Um, conscious decision. Very much so. Yeah. Lots of conscious, but yeah, again, I mean, and, and this might not be true for everybody, but just for me, I know it's, I have a very strong inner critic. So it's, I have a tendency to be really judgmental and harsh with myself. So it's like, how can I, even in those, even with myself, right. I can even understand how I have biases, maybe even towards myself. Um, and I, I oftentimes start there where it's like, okay, how do I see I'm, my thoughts are kind of interacting with, you know, other thoughts and how, how might I be protecting myself even from, cause I might have a conversation in my head and go, yeah, I really shouldn't have done that. Another part of me will say, why not? Yeah, that was fine. You're good. And then I'm like taking a step back. I'm like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know if that was, you know, the best way to handle that situation. So it's again, that understanding that there's layers, understanding that there, you're multifaceted. And even if you're having trouble just noticing maybe out in life, start just tuning into yourself and start noticing the dialogue and all the nuance that's happening for you internally to help start building that, that muscle around noticing, being present, building that space and being vulnerable. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Yeah. I, I am my own worst critic too. So <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think, yeah, I think we have the tendency to do that and that, and that what our unconscious bias affects a lot of that as well. How we see yeah. ourselves. I think you would actually be surprised. It's kind of crazy when you like take a step back and you're like, wow, I'm even, I even have bias towards myself and I can see how different parts of me have different biases and that influences choices that I make and decisions that I make. Um, yeah, it's interesting. My, my therapist and I talk about this a lot in the next episode. Um, so definitely, uh, anyone listening tune into that because we dissect kind of the internal system and like different parts of self and ego. Um, but yeah, so any last thoughts that you have? I really enjoyed our conversation today. We explored unconscious bias in so many different ways, but I'm curious if you have any last minute thoughts or. Um, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the idea that you need to make a conscious decision to look at unconscious bias. It's not going to happen unless you make that decision. Um, yeah. or if it does happen without you making that decision, it's probably going to not be a very good thing because that means somebody else has seen it. Um, but make that conscious decision, dig into your why, figure mm -hmm. out the choices that you make and why you make them and, um, what you need to live and work and play in a way that allows for acceptance and diversity and inclusion and all of the things that we would love to see in community um, they have to start with each individual 
working towards building what we want. And so dig into where it happens. Thank you. I think that's the perfect way to end this conversation. I, I, I love the message, you know, understand your why, get conscious with the unconscious biases. And um, yeah, I think it's so powerful and just start noticing um, how you're showing up. And for me, it's about, like I said earlier, creating intentions and really trying to be intentional about it. Because in the beginning, like you said, it'll be tough and it'll be kind of feel a little awkward. But the more that you do it, just like with anything else, it becomes more like a habit and you just start kind of noticing more and more. Um, so I really appreciate your time today and having this conversation. It was such a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me. And it's great to touch base on one of the topics that I don't think we dig into anywhere near enough. So yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. And don't, well, by the time this comes out, we'll have leaders chat. But every Wednesday at five o'clock Pacific on Twitter, um, you can join the leaders chat community and we'll be talking about things like unconscious bias and, you know, other topics every week on Wednesday. So definitely tune in and you'll get an opportunity to meet both Drea and myself. So looking forward to it. And thank you again.